0: Amen. Let's get our Bibles tonight. We'll go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to uh, go to 10, verse 10. Uh, as you turn there, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. We're going to be able to quote these verses before we get done with this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now he says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins skirt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation. And then look at this. This is our final one uh, tonight. Is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And let's go ahead and bow to the Lord in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the word that you've given us. We're thankful for what we're going to study tonight. Lord, I pray that you will use the scriptures and use your spirit uh, to speak to our hearts. Um, Lord, illuminate our minds to your truths. Help us to understand. And Lord, show us how to apply these things this evening. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Talking tonight about the sword of the spirit. And we finally come to the final piece of God's armor. Uh, now, as we've been looking over the past several weeks, we've talked about the fact that we are engaged in a spiritual battle uh, and that if we're going to do spiritual warfare, then it has to be done with spiritual weaponry or it ha- we have to stand in spiritual armor. And the great thing that we found is, is that we don't have to come up with or search for or, or try to purchase spiritual armor to wear, but that God has provided his own armor for us. And that if we'll stand in God's armor, if we'll stand in His strength and His might, uh, that we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we've been looking at the armor of God, and we see that God has provided six pieces of that armor for us. Now, as we've looked, we see that three of those are to be put on and to be kept on. The other three are to be picked up. Uh, The first five of these... Uh, are defensive pieces specifically designed to help us stand on the evil day. And so the first five pieces that we've looked at, three to put on, we we have the uh, the belt of truth, we have the breastplate of righteousness, and then we have the, the shoes of peace. Alright, and then the last thing that we looked at was the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. And so we're going through all of these, and these are all defensive things. These are things that uh, we, we need to stand in the truth, we need to stand in righteousness, we need to stand in peace, we need to uh, stand in faith, and, and of course stand having that helmet of salvation on, having our minds guarded, and all those things are going to help to defend us from satanic attack. But... We have one final piece, and this last piece is not a defensive piece like the others. It's not just something to shield us or, or to protect us, but this is actually an offensive piece that we use in offense against the enemy, and that is the sword of the Spirit. So let me say it another way the rest of these five are armor, this is your weapon. This is your weapon. Now, I want to go back to a truth that I shared with you not too long ago. And that was that nowhere in these verses are we told to engage the enemy. Nowhere in these verses are we told to charge hell. But what we are told is that on that evil day, on that day when everything breaks loose in our life, when when Satan is attacking us and he is, uh, you know, he is warring against us, that we are to stand. We're not to flee. We're to stand in God's armor. We're to stand in His power and His might. We have all these other things. But listen, while you're standing, what this one tells us is, what this verse tells us is, is that while you're standing, you get to do some cutting as well. That's good news, isn't it? And so uh, if Satan's going to charge you, and if he's going to fight against you, you get to do some cutting back of your own. And we do that with the sword of the Spirit. Now, this is our only offensive weapon, and he calls it the sword of the Spirit, which is, as we know, God's Word. Now, we've learned to stand in truth. We've learned to stand in righteousness and peace. We've talked about what it means to be shielded with faith and to guard our minds with the right helmet. But today, we're going to begin learning how to strike back in combat using the Word of God. And I don't, I don't foresee this being a very long message, but I hope that it's a very useful message to you tonight as we talk about what it means to, uh, to combat using the Word of God. and So, uh, like last week, we just had two points tonight. First of all, I want to define what the sword of the Spirit is, then I want to tell you how to use it as best as I possibly can. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that the Spirit's going to be able to use this and translate it into a way that you'll be able to use it in your own life as we leave from here tonight. Well, the first thing I want to look at is defining the sword of the Spirit. Now, from what I'm able to understand, there were two different kinds of swords that Roman soldiers would use. Now, the first was about a three-foot-long sword. Uh, It's more like the swords that we would usually picture. As a matter of fact, if you were to draw a picture of the sword of the Lord, if I gave you a piece of paper and you drew it, some of you would give me a stick figure. Some of you would draw a long sword. I don't know what your drawing's like. But most of us would probably draw a long sword that's what we picture in our mind as, uh, as a sword, something like, uh, I don't know, King Arthur's sword or whatever. Uh, and so just a long battle sword is, is what we would usually picture. But the other sword that they would use was much shorter. It's about 18 inches long, which is about the length from your, uh, your elbow to your finger. And biblically, it's about the length of a cubit. And uh, this sword was much shorter. It was much easier to, uh, to sling, sling, swing and slash and everything you need to do, stab, jab, pull it back out. I mean, it was for up-close, in-your-face battle is what this sword was used for. This wasn't the one they were out doing 20-minute uh, sword fights with, you know, as you see in the movies, things like that. Uh, this was something, this was up-close, this was personal, this was back-alley, street-fighting. Stuff. I mean, when you are up face to face in battle, this is the one that you're going to pull out. This is one that you're going to use. And that's the one that Paul was referring to uh, when we see that it says that the sword of the Lord here, that's the word sword that he's referring to there. Now, this sword, as we said, was it, it was for hand-to-hand combat, for close-quarter combat. It was a double-edged and extremely sharp sword, which means that you didn't just have one blade to cut with. You couldn't just slash one way, but you could slash both ways. Any way that you, that you uh, swung that sword, or or uh, or if, of course, it was very sharp and pointed, uh, you, you could stab, you could slash your enemy in any way, but it was made for that up-close battle. Well, guess what? As Satan is pressing and pushing against you and you're told not to advance, but you're told to stand while he's there. You get to do all kinds of cutting and slashing and fighting back, but you're using the the sword of the Lord, the sword of the spirit, which we know and and we're going to see is the word of God. The word of God, as this verse tells us, is that sword of the spirit. But before we move much further, let's look a little cl- more closely at what Paul meant by the word of God. Now, you would think that sounds pretty generic. I mean, it sounds pretty uh, general to understand the word of God, and, and it is. But I want to tell you that there are three different words that are used to describe the word of God. Three different Greek words, and and, uh, and many times you'll all see them translated the same as the same. The word. Uh, now, the first thing that we have, and I won't tell you the Greek, you don't need to know the Greek name. I'll just tell you the first one that we have is referring to literally the writings of the word of God. And most of the time, this word is translated as scripture, which is another word that we use for the Bible or for God's word. But most of the time, when you see this particular word, it's going to be translated as scripture and it refers uh, specifically to the writings of the word of God. So if I was to say, uh, if I was to talk about this word, or talk about the scriptures, or talk about the writings, then I'm literally talking about the recorded word of God that we have. Here we have it complete, the Old and New Testament, the Bible. This is the graphe, this is the writings or the scriptures. That's the first word uh, that I'm telling you about. All right, now the second word is a little different, and many of you probably know this word, the word logos, You've heard this word, I'm sure, several times as you've been in church. But basically what that word means, it it talks about more or less the totality of the Word of God. Or, uh, I guess if we were to get a little more specific there, it's not necessarily the writings of Scripture, but it's the meaning and the message of Scripture. It is the expressed idea, or the expressed, or um, I guess you could say just the message behind The Word of God. And that is the Logos. And then there's another word, and that's the one that we're talking about here. And this word literally means, of course, uh, it's talking about the spoken Word of God. This is where you have an entire Bible full of Scriptures. You know the meaning of many of these Scriptures. But this last word, and the one that he uses here is not a general reference to the Word of God, but it's talking about taking a specific verse or a specific truth, a specific Word of God, and using it in your defense against satanic attack. And that's what this is talking about tonight. I hope that I haven't uh, put anybody to sleep through that. I, I usually put Mary to sleep every Sunday night. Have I accomplished that yet? We're doing good then. But nobody else has an excuse to go to sleep tonight. Uh, But if I could lay this out just a different way. The first word that talks about is the written word. The second one that I refer to is the message of the written word. And then this word that Paul uses here is a specific declaration concerning the message of the written word. Now if this is true then we have to take all three of these definitions in account when we're preparing to use the Word of God in battle. We must not forget, of course, that the book of Hebrews also has something to say about the Word of God. Over in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, if you want to just turn there uh, very quickly with me. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 uses the second word that I gave you, the word logos. And he says in chapter 4 verse 12, he says, for the word of God, the logos of God, which includes the the scriptures, the writings of the word of God, but it also includes the message and, um, you know, of course, the... uh, all the meanings of the word of God. It says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now let me tell you, even though I'm using these three different words, I hope this doesn't become confusing because it's all referring to the same thing, the word of God. We're just talking about three different specific words uses of, of, of the Word of God. Three different ways that you can use the Bible, or refer to the Bible. This is talking about the Bible, talking about the Word of God, and it says here that the Word of God is number one, quick, which means alive. Word of God is a living word. This is a living book. It's a book of life. It says it's quick, it's powerful, And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, what did Paul tell us was that last piece of armor that we're to take up? He says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, he says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I want you to see how sharp it is. It's different than our swords because our swords can only cut the flesh. But he says, this sword is so sharp that it's able to divide asunder, as we look in uh, in verse 12, it it pierces and divides asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm going to use this a different way. We're talking about a spiritual sword. But in this case, what Paul is saying in, in Hebrews chapter 12, or chapter 4, verse 12, he's saying that the word of God is so sharp that it can... Cut you open. It can cut down to the very thoughts and intents of your heart. It is a sword that can be used against you and your spirit. You're trying to hide something from God. You're trying to to hide a certain sin, or or you're overlooking a sin, or something like that. This says the word of God could come in. It can cut you right open. And the very next verse tells us this: is what it does. It lays you open and bare before God so that there's no secrets. That's how sharp, it's how powerful and how alive the Word of God is. But what we see in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians is not only can the Word of God be used against you and your soul and your spirit, but then when we're using it the right way, we're able to take the very same Word of God and we're able to take it and use it against our opponents against our enemies. And guess what? It's still sharp, and it's still able to cut. It still has power, and it still has authority, and it will drive back the attacks that come up against us. And that's what Paul's saying over here in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go back to our text in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse uh, 17. talks about the, the sword of the Spirit. Now the scriptures, as we're looking here and we're talking about this the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit, let me put it out this way. I, I use these three different words and you're probably sick of them by now, but I want to go over just one more time, try to explain this as, as best as I can. If you're going to use the Word of God, as he says here in chapter 17, where he says, uh, which is the Word or the Ramah, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, if you're going to use this, then you have to take the other two into consideration. So let me explain it this way. The scriptures or the writings first have to be read. Alright? You've got to read the scriptures in order to know what they say. Then, once you have read the scriptures, the word or the logos has to be studied and meditated upon you got to have it to read it, but once you read it, you need to understand it. You have to know what it means. The truth of God's word needs to be seared into your heart. The spirit has to take that word and and make it a part of your own psyche, make it a part of your own understanding and your own convictions. That's logos. That's what that means. But then once you've got the Word of God, you've read the Word of God, you've studied and meditated upon the Word of God, then we are able to correctly use God's Word in combat. Now let me tell you this. You can have all the armor of God. But if you're going to use the sword of the Spirit, you've got to have it first You've got to know it second, and then, only then, are you able to use it against your enemy. Amen. Now, here's the thing. You say, okay, well, you know, I mean, I've got the Word of God. Let's say you're, you're in the middle of a situation. Satan's attacking you, and let's say you're at work, or you're at town, or something's going on, and, and you don't have your Bible with you. And we're not talking about taking the Bible and slapping Satan with it. <laughs> We're not talking about just taking the Bible out and quoting Scripture or reading Scripture to him. We're talking about having the Word of God written in your heart so that you're able to take that and use that in authority against the attacks of Satan. Now, I'm going to again, we're going to get to the part of how to do this or how to use this. I'm just telling you what it is first. And, you know, there's a reason why. I, I know I, I get sick of hearing me say it, too. That you need to read your Bibles. You need to take time every day to get into the Word of God. And not only do you need to read the Bible, but you need to think about and study and meditate upon the Word of God. But the reason why I say this all the time is not so that you can put on a, a list and, and put a check mark beside it and say, Okay, I read the Bible today. Now, I've had those days, haven't you? I woke up, and i was supposed to read the Bible, so I read the Bible. Okay, I got that done, move on with my life. You know, I, I marked that down. That's not why you do it. You don't do it just so that you can say you read the Bible, and you don't do it just so you can have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. And I'm to tell you, I know a lot of Bible scholars that get their tail whooped by Satan every day. Because they've read the Word of God, and they know the Word of God, but they're not using the Word of God. And that's the point that I'm getting to. But until, before you're able to use the Word of God, you've got to read it and you've got to know it. Only then are you able to use it correctly against Satan or against his attacks. I was thinking about this, trying to find some way to illustrate this point. And the best thing that I could come up with is... uh, a man who has a bow and an arrow. Now let me tell you something. I can shoot a rifle okay, but I can't shoot a bow and arrow. I've tried I just haven't practiced with it enough. Let's so say a man gets a bow and arrow. Okay? He buys the bow and arrow. He has the bow and arrow. That's graphe. That's having the scriptures. Many of you have a Bible, right? If you do not have a Bible, get with me. I will make sure you have a Bible very soon. Okay? So, a man buys a bow and an arrow. He has it. The next thing he has to do is he has to learn how to use it. And so, he trains with it. He goes out every day and he practices with his bow and arrow. He gets to the point where he is able to, uh, you know, to, to hit his target every single time. He's going through the training, he's going through the practice, he's put in the hours. And he has the knowledge, he has the know-how to use that bow and arrow. That's the Logos. But you know, neither one of those does him any good until he takes a single arrow out of that quiver, puts it in his bow, pulls it back, releases it, and hits the target that he's aiming at. That's the rama. That's the third use that Paul uses here. It's not just having it. It's not just knowing it. But with the, with the ownership and with the scholarship of the word of God, then we take it and we make application with it. When he says to use the sword of the spirit, the word of God, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about taking a single verse. In your moment of crisis, in your moment of attack, and you use that in authority against the temptation or against the trial or against the attack that Satan has launched against you. Now, i say one other, make one other statement before we move on to how to use the Word of God. And that is, I want to call attention to the fact that the Word of God is used all through the armor of God. Now, let's go back. The first piece of armor that we have is what? The belt of truth. Now, where do you find truth? You find truth in the Word of God, Right? The next we have is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, of course, that comes from Christ, but then we go to the shoes of peace. Now, how are you going to have peace? How are you able to rest in the the midst of a storm like we spoke about this morning and a couple weeks ago? How are you able to rest in the middle of a storm if you don't know what God has said? And so, yes, your peace is found in God, but your knowledge that peace is made known unto you, is revealed to you, By the word of God. We can move on to the shield of faith. How are you able in the day of temptation when all those fiery darts are being shot at you. How are you able to stand in faith on that day and know that God is going to protect you. Except by what he has revealed to you in his word. And of course we talk about guarding our minds. Our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. How will you do that apart from the word of God? You see, the Word of God is found all throughout this army. You, you must have and know the Word of God. But then we've got to use it. We have to utilize it. And that is, I believe, where it gets to the sword of the Spirit. Using it defensively um, against Satan. So in one way, it's used to block Satan's attack. In another way, it's used to advance against him. And we see this as we continue on. Now... We talked about defining the sword of the Spirit. Now let's talk about using the sword of the Spirit. Now everything that I just said sounds good, hopefully. But how do you put all that into practice? And I think this is best illustrated in the life of Jesus. If you will, hold your place here in Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to turn with Matthew chapter 4. And we're just going to read some verses here. I'm going to let the scripture talk to you tonight. But Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 1. By the way, Jesus is God, the perfect son of God. I'm sure he had a a memory that's far better than any of ours. But I want to tell you something about Jesus before we read this verse. Jesus also had the graphe. He had the writings. He had the scripture. He knew Deuteronomy chapter 8. Not only did he have access to Deuteronomy chapter 8, but he had studied and he knew the meaning of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now we're going to see him put it into action. That's that third word, that rhema. We're going to see him use the word of the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, against Satan. Let's look in Matthew chapter 4, and verse 1. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterwards and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he, talking about Jesus, answered and said... And I want you to read these next three words with me. It is written. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. Now, Satan was wanting him to act off of his needs. He was hungry. Satan says, if you're the son of God, you got power. Why not just make these stones into bread? Just eat it. Now, this was a temptation to Jesus' flesh because if he had done this, if he had performed this miracle at the tempting or the, uh, the prompting of Satan, that would be a sin. Amen. Because number one, he was not to do anything apart from the will of God. Amen. Now, if God said, turn the stones into bread, he would have done it. But he was not going to do it at Satan's prompting. But I want you to notice he didn't get to, a, to an argument with Satan. He didn't get to a dialogue with Satan. He didn't say, Satan, why are you messing with me? This is what he said. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word. 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 Guess what that is? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now let's continue reading. Says, then the devil takes him up to a holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you're the Son of God, tempting him again, if you're the Son of God, cast yourself down. Now, look what Satan does. Satan says, For it is written, right? Now, he's twisting the scripture just like he did with Adam and Eve. He's twisting the word of God. He says, for it is written, he shall give us angels concerning thee, and in their hands shall he bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And look at this. Jesus didn't get into a conversation with what that scripture actually meant. He didn't take him to the languages and say, he didn't do any of that. This is what he said in verse 7. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16 again the devil takes him up to an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him all these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship me and I want you to look at what Jesus said he says go away Satan why for it is written thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve that's Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13 See, Jesus had the Scriptures. Jesus studied the Scriptures. He knew the meaning. But then I want you to see how He used the Scripture in defense. That's what we're to do. He is our example of how to fight against Satan, of how to fight against uh, his temptations and his promptings in our life. Were to use the word of God. On each instance, Jesus didn't attempt to get into a debate or discussion with Satan. His answer was simple. He said, it is written. He had read the writings. He understood the meaning. He used it in combat. Now listen, we also have to understand that when we're talking about using the word of God, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit has a work in all this as well. And let us not skip that. We have to understand that it's not necessarily our ability to memorize and quote scripture that protects us. But the sword of the Lord must be used in the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If it's to become effective. And what do I mean by that? Well, Let's put this into a practical use. Let's say that you something happens to you. Somebody does something, somebody says something, or something just happens in your life, and you are tempted to get angry. You really want to get angry about this. And Satan's telling you, you've got every right to be angry. But then the Spirit of God brings a verse to your heart where the Bible says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I want you to notice what has happened here. The Satan has tempted. The trial has come. The fight has been engaged. But the Spirit of God has taken the Word of God and He has prompted you to use it in your defense. Where you're wanting. And remember, this goes back to guarding our minds and our will and our emotion and all these things. uh, But it goes back to all this and, and where you could react in a totally different way. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and in defense, you're able to say, no, I will not be doing that today because it is written, be angry, sin not. You know, this can come in a whole different kind or many different kinds of ways. You can be tempted with lust. But then a scripture comes to mind. Just very simply, it is written, Thou shalt not commit adultery. You say, well, I wasn't going to commit adultery. I was just looking. And then another scripture comes to mind where Jesus says that if man looks and lusts in his heart, he's committed adultery already. You're tested with fear. Something has come up in your life and... You're engulfed with overwhelming fear. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how you're going to get through it. And then a scripture comes to mind. It is written. He has not given us the spirit of fear. You're tempted to hold a grudge. Then the scripture comes to mind. It is written that you're to be kindly affectioned to one another. Forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You're overtaken with doubt. You don't know how you're going to get through. You don't know how you're going to do this. You don't know if God's still with you. You don't know if God's still for you. You don't know if God still loves you. God has forgiven you. And all these doubts are flooding your mind. And then a scripture comes to mind. Who do you think brings that scripture there? Spirit of God takes the Word of God, and a verse comes to mind that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Satan can jab at you all that he wants with that. But you know what the Scripture said, and you're able to use it in your defense. Listen, when I'm talking about using the Word of God, when He says to take up the sword of the Spirit, He's talking about using the truth and the authority of God's Word to do spiritual combat. I want to give you one other verse. And that's found over in James. I believe chapter 4, verse 7, somewhere around there. But He says, Submit yourself to God. Submit yourself. To God. That's first. Then he says, resist the devil. Now how do you resist him? You resist him first of all by standing in the armor of God. And not being moved by what he says and what he does. You resist him second by the word of God. Resist the devil. And then what does it say that he'll do? It says, and he will flee from you. And the verse that we didn't read from Matthew chapter 4 was this. After the third time that Jesus said it is written and quoted the scriptures to him. It says, and the devil departed from him for a season. Now notice that it said for a season. He came back, but he fled from him. And James tells us that if you'll submit to God, if you'll resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Now it may only be for a season. But when He comes back, you'll still have the armor of God and you'll still have the Word of God to take your stand. That's what it means to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I hope this has been made clear to you tonight. I hope that this is something you're going to be able to take and uh, and, and start studying Scripture, start learning Scripture, and then start using it in your moment of temptation or your moment of trial to to begin using the, the Word of God and your defense.